Welcome to the latest FT Advisor In Focus podcast with me, Simini Kiriaku, Senior Editor for FT Advisor. We'll be looking at the rising use of exchange-traded funds for cryptocurrency investing. The investment press has been buzzing with excitement over both the cryptocurrency story and the fact that the US Securities and Exchange Commission gave the green light recently to the ProShares Bitcoin Strategy ETF. This is the first US Bitcoin uh, futures-based exchange trader fund, and for many in the industry, it's been seen as a turning point for cryptocurrencies when it began trading at the end of October. However, just a few days later, we see the SEC taking a firmer stance, perhaps drawing a line in the sand about leveraged Bitcoin ETFs, suggesting perhaps it wants to limit new Bitcoin-related products to those providing unleveraged exposure to Bitcoin futures contracts. Does this indicate perhaps a uh, fear or, or aversion at the SEC? So the question is, how many more crypto ETFs will we see in the US, in Europe, in UK and elsewhere? What form will they take? And how should advisors be discussing these with their clients if their clients are interested in uh, accessing cryptocurrencies through an ETF structure? Well, here to talk through some of these points are Rufus Round. He's the chief executive of Global Block. And Jason Guthrie, he's the head of digital assets for Wisdom Tree. Welcome to you both. Thank you so many. Hi, Simi. Thanks for having us. Jason, may I please start with you? What do you think has driven the trends towards using ETF as a structure for crypto investing? Uh, look, the, the biggest driver here, very simply, is the, the demand that we see from uh, a wide range of clients, really cross market segment, um, that people want exposure to this asset class, that they view this as you know, a truly new asset class. I think the idea that, you know, Bitcoin is, cryptocurrencies are here to stay is firmly embedded. Um, and with kind of that desire to take the exposure, I think people naturally look to their wrapper of choice. And over the last decade, ETFs have by far and away been sort of the most, one of the most popular wrappers out there. Um, and so bringing these two together is, I think, quite natural. Rufus, over to you. You've obviously done a lot of research into crypto. So what do you think an ETF wrapper would bring to the table? Well, one of the features of crypto that makes it so compelling for, uh, for most people is also one of its uh, drawbacks. Um, looking after uh, public and private keys, security feature, the hardware, the fact that you could lose the keys and lose, and lose your uh, investment forever. Uh, that scares a lot of people. The whole be your bank feature of, of, of crypto um, is not for everyone. And getting exposure to the performance of, of the asset class via an ETF is therefore seen as um, a key driver of getting an ETF uh, over the line. And also, it, uh, as Jason was saying, I, I agree thoroughly. It's, um, it's, institutional, it's not just institutional demand, there's a lot of retail demand as well. People would like to put these things in their pensions and their ISAs um, and, and get exposure without having to take those, that technological leap um, with, with, uh, with a a cold wallet or leave it in a, at an exchange, all, all those things that can get a little bit complicated. The world, the world has too many, we all have too many passwords and too many apps nowadays and, and putting these things in an ETF um, is, is a simple way of, of attacking that. Yeah, you make a very interesting point there, Rufus, because some investors are really early doors. They're very keen on tech. They like the idea of blockchain. They understood it. And so they've got in quite early. Um, some people have just been trend followers. But now you're mentioning, uh, and it's very true, we're starting to see a more cautious type of investor who wants access to this. But they want it for their pension or for their ISA. They're not 
interested in it as a sort of a speculative um, play, but they're interested in it as an investment. Do you think that this kind of uh, attitude is going to start encouraging regulators to think more seriously about allowing a wider range of, of products to the market? Absolutely. Crypto is, is um, it's the, sort of the next frontier. And the way we address the way our governments work, our money systems, our, uh, many of our belief systems, um, the rails upon which we perform many different functions are all happening over, over digitally nowadays. And cryptocurrency can um, make that fairer and more auditable. Um, and the, the tokenized economy is, is it's unstoppable in my view. Uh, I, I think all tradable assets will be on tokens soon enough. And the regulation will just have to try and keep up. But they will need to enable it so that people, the average person, can get exposure into their pension fund, into their ISA, and benefit from, from the gold rush, as it were. Now, I'm, there's, no, there's no denying that things have come, gone a long way quite quickly lately. So when I talk about a, uh, an ongoing gold rush, it's not going to be without volatility and pauses. We've got to be in this for the long term. But um, the long term is not as long as we would have thought with traditional assets, if you see what I mean. I think a crypto year is, is uh, one-seventh of a normal year or something like that anyway. <laughs> Just like a cat or a dog. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> potentially, potentially more volatile, depending on the nature of, of the beast. But I, I do understand, um, Jason, we've, we've got the, the, the SEC sort of taking sort of two steps forward and maybe one step back in, mm-hmm. in regulation. Um, the FCA, again, has been looking at these things. How easy is it, or how, I should say, how difficult is it for product manufacturers and fund managers to show innovation and deliver products to investors when you've got sort of regulation on the other hand what, what kind of a dichotomy do you guys face i don't think navigating a global regulatory landscape has ever been easy right and it's definitely not when it comes to crypto what we can see is there's sort of quite a lot of fragmentation different approaches from different jurisdictions in terms of what they're looking at i think you were right in in sort of your previous question to separate out sort of I call it big B and little b of Bitcoin, right? Big B being the coins, the investment side of things, people looking to take exposure to that as an asset class, uh, little b being blockchain and the technology and the innovations that that can drive throughout sort of financial services and, and beyond that Rufus talked about in his last response. And approaching sort of regulation for those two, I think needs a, a, a very bifurcated approach to it. They're just very, very different beasts. But inevitably, it ends up becoming intertangled in the conversation and sucking resources at regulators when they're sort of looking at it. So, you know, is this demand going to drive uh, more investment products coming to market? Absolutely. But the pace at which they come for each market is going to be affected by what's the highest priority on a regulator's sort of to-do list and how their market is viewing each of the various innovations in that space, because unfortunately, they don't exist in, in a vacuum. So the FCA, for instance, has been very proactive in regulating brokers, exchanges, the sort of innovative side of, let's say, little b's impact on um, financial services, custodial services are growing quite rapidly in the UK. But investment products hasn't been something they've moved on very quickly. Uh, and that's to a degree because focus has shifted to these other service providers. 
It also came at a time when the FCA was very focused on, and as they should be, consumer protection, um, and are therefore a bit more hesitant to let these into the market. Different markets that are more focused on product innovation from an investment perspective have been quicker on allowing uh, wrapped exposures to crypto as an asset class. Germany's been very proactive. Sweden's been very proactive. Canada's been very proactive. So every kind of market is in a different space. That does make it difficult to have sort of a unified strategy, but everybody's sort of working toward this idea of bringing crypto generally under the umbrella, but trying to grapple with what is a very complicated topic and what is a period of like very, very rapid change where a lot of what's happening in the space now doesn't kind of fit neatly into the rules that exist today. So I'm hopeful that we we get there sooner rather than later. I'd love to see regulation be a tailwind for the crypto industry generally, for what DeFi, what blockchain can do to financial services. I think they're going to play a huge part in helping to build trust in that system and bringing the advantages and benefits to the mainstream. Um, but it's definitely going to be a journey. Thank you, Jason. Those are some very interesting points. And of course, we know that old adage, a journey of a thousand steps uh, starts with a single mile. Um, but if we can go back to Rufus now, earlier you said things are moving so quickly and you know Jason also talked about the rapid pace of change. Um, if things are moving so quickly, how can the average consumer you know, really understand what's allowed and what's not allowed, particularly as it seems that many regulators have completely differing views on uh, whether to allow ETFs to have crypto or whether they'll allow a leveraged or unleveraged ETFs? So if the regulators are hesitant um, to allow ETF-based, um, some more esoteric ETFs, for example, um, how can investors understand? I mean, are investors going to be able to be confident when buying these products? Well, um, I don't think many are. <laughs> um, the average investor will probably look at Bitcoin as a, as, a, as, a, as a bubble and not really understand the underlying premise. I mean, that might be an arrogant view from my perspective. I, don't, I think you need to be uh, a, a unique investor to have um, bought in a crypt to, 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 to crypto early on and, and still to be buying it now. You need to really understand the technological promise and what, it, and what problems it solves in the world. And I, don't, and I don't think that is widely known. I think... Um, or understood. I think most people currently are doing it to make a quick buck. And that rightly has the regulators um, back up. But uh, the, the average investor would have to look at the Grayscale Investment Trust, or they'd have to go via the MicroStrategy stock in the US to get exposure to um, crypto. Um, that was one way you could put, if you, have a, if you had a, a SIP pension, you could get crypto exposure by doing that. And in many, many, many investment funds are using stocks such as MicroStrategy as proxies for Bitcoin, which um, makes quite a bit of sense uh, when you consider what um, Michael Saylor is doing for, um, for MicroStrategy. But now there is an ETF. It is a futures-based ETF, which is less than ideal, but it's one step along the way of getting regulators comfy with the asset class and it's been so far, I think, hugely successful. It's the fastest growing ETF ever, I believe. In two days, it got over one and a half billion, I believe. And they're they're now worrying about um, whether the, the uh, futures limits need to be increased. Because I think um, any unique 
holder can have up to 5,000 contracts on, on the CME, which is where this product is traded. And I think they're already pretty close to that. So they're going to have to change the rules to uh, cope with demand. Very, that's a really interesting um, situation then to be in, isn't it? Because it, it seems from what you're saying that investors have said, right, good, this is ETF. I mostly understand how ETFs work. And I, I think that ETFs are going to give me some sense of safety. Jason, is, is that your perception that perhaps people will think that the ETF is a, a, provides a, a relative measure of safety to enable them to access crypto? I, I think that's that's true to a point. I think that having a look a provider that you're familiar with that knows how to do due diligence of service providers that knows how to you know run risk controls that has a fiduciary responsibility associated with running that product, of course, gives people a, a degree of sort of a sense of safety of security when it comes to these things. And I think it is one of the big values that you know these these products, whether it's ETFs in the US or exchange traded products that we have here in Europe. That, that's something they give to investor. I think the other element that can't be overlooked is uh, this idea of standardization, of making it like look and feel and, and the operational process lines up with what you do today. Um, there is still a lot of hesitation to go to kind of crypto native startup firms to to trade these directly. Standardized products opens up a, a universe of investors that probably wouldn't have considered the asset class previously, but it's not an insignificant number that have gone directly, right? I think the FCA did some research. There's 2.3 million adults in the UK that have exposure to crypto. That's not nothing. Holding size is a relatively small, small sorry, demographic skew, relatively young. But 2.3 million people have gone out of their way to take exposure through avenues that are not standard financial services products. That's not insignificant. So the idea that the demand is there and that that is something that regulators can't ignore. And I think more effort should be put into sort of allowing routes to market that fit within the ways in which people normally invest that allow them to use service providers that are offering this sort of due diligence on the underlying custodians on risk management on fiduciary responsibility. Now, it's very interesting that you were saying that 2.3 million people have bought some crypto in the UK. I would argue that none of those 2.3 million had regulated signed off financial advice on this. I would say if, if they, they do, I'd like to meet that financial advisor because all the financial advisors we speak to on FT Advisor say, well, we don't touch it. It's not regulated. The market is still so uncertain. There is a, a dark element to crypto investing. It can be used for money laundering and sort of nefarious purposes, I think is a phrase that's being used. And because they want to make sure that they're still in business tomorrow and in 10 years down the, the line when there's no regulatory comeback on them, they might feel a little bit nervous. What do you think a more regulated product like an ETF or some sort of smart beta fund might allow advisors to do to have a crypto conversation with their clients that doesn't have any sort of regulatory comeback on them? Jason, and I'll go to um, Rufus afterwards. I think that having a route to market that they're comfortable with is, is a very important part of this. Cryptocurrency really can't be ignored anymore. This is an asset class that is here. It's here to stay. And I think that that is a view that is held by by regulators as well. This is why they are looking at routes to bring it under that, that regulatory umbrella. I understand that the uncertainty here is potentially a little unhelpful for people to kind of get their, their hands around it to go after it. Those criticisms in the past around nefarious purposes for which cryptocurrencies are used, I think, has has mostly dried up. Um, these are no different than any new technology. Any new technology can be used for good or for bad. 
the things that cryptocurrency are accused of are the exact same things the internet was accused of in the early 90s. And the second anybody got some utility out of it, they were more than happy to move past it. And it's exactly what we're seeing with cryptocurrency. So I don't think that that's uh, a real headwind anymore for adoption. If I was managing an advisory practice, I would be more concerned with the number of people that are going and taking crypto exposure away from me, the amount that that dilutes my relationship with my end clients. If I was worried about me being in business in 10 years, I would be more concerned with not moving to crypto and allowing people to take a moderate risk adjusted amount of exposure to it now, rather than lose relevance with everybody that is going to be looking at with an asset class that is here to stay. And again, the FCA has signaled that they believe in this, that they are regulating custodians, they're regulating brokers, they're helping exchanges come to market with sandboxes. They are supportive of this technology growth. They understand that the asset class is here to stay. So the risk that you let uh, one of your clients take a 1% exposure through an investment vehicle that was available to them, that that is going to negatively impact you in 10 years versus the chances that you put your head in the sand and ignored it and won't be relevant in 10 years, I'd be much more worried about the latter. Very interesting. You're using the words that this is an asset class. And uh, I definitely think you're right. In a couple of years, we'll see the FCA come out with some very solid confirmations and rules around it that kind of standardize an element of it or as much of it as, as possible as an asset class. But some advisors are still sort of telling me they don't see it as an asset class. And so, there's that dichotomy, isn't there? Yeah, it's, it's look, the personal belief of any individual is going to be a journey. Not everybody arrives at it at once. It's definitely not a cliff edge. But I think the idea that it's here to stay is, is firmly embedded. Look, if we take the just general commentary we got uh, from market participants, from experts after the kind of big sell-off we saw this year and compare that to what happened in 2017-18 when we had a similar size sell-off, Back in 2017-18, there was just calls that crypto was dead, that this bubble had burst, that it, this is proof that it was tulips and now it's going to zero. Obviously wasn't true. We've had another massive sell-off in, in earlier this year. Nobody is making those calls anymore. We aren't seeing the calls from academics. We aren't seeing the calls from financial professionals, from banks, that this is dead, right? Everybody knows that um, this is well. Look, there's a general acceptance that maybe it's maybe it's still too early, maybe it's still too volatile, but it's not going anywhere. So people are going to get there sooner rather than later. I think the other point about it being an asset class is, if you think about it like an asset class, you don't regulate the asset class; you regulate the service providers that provide access. There's not gold regulation, but you regulate the products that provide access to gold. Um, same thing for anything underlying. So I think that as more service providers come and offer more products, the optionality is going to open. But that for me is an if, not a when. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. I'm going to bring Rupert back in now because I can see him nodding uh, very much in agreement with you there. Well, yeah, I'd like to pretty much echo everything Jason said. Grateful that he tackled the the the, uh, the nefarious uses argument, which is I think has been put to bed now. I think the traditional finance has laundered far much far more money than crypto ever has. And uh, the banks get fined far more than any, so far, any crypto entity has ever been fined. And Bitcoin is, is much more traceable than cash. And I think many, uh, m- many financial advisors don't understand that. It's easier to criticize a new technology than to embrace it. And it's also a threat to many of them because uh, the, un- one of the underlying premises of crypto is to 
cut out the middleman, stop the fee, the erosion of, of, of your wealth through fees. And I have to say that being the CEO of a crypto broker, that doesn't you know, make too much sense for me as a business. However, all the complications of crypto do require people, uh, someone to hold your hand. And people do want to talk to people about these things and um, be led through a service. So there is a place for crypto brokers uh, like us. And I think in the long run, um, our our role will evolve. But sorry, this isn't about me. This is about the um, ETFs and regulations. Um, it's a threat, essentially, to a lot of incumbent financial institutions, including uh, financial advisors. And it's it's also, it's, it's a shame that someone like Paul Tudor Jones, the hedge fund magnate, can allocate 2% of his portfolio to it. But my grandmother can't. And it's uh, ostensibly one rule for, for the rich and, and, one, and, and one rule for everyone else. And whilst Paul Tudor Jones can afford to lose 2% of his portfolio, I'm sure my grandmother could as well, but it, the access isn't there for her. And uh, in time, the regulation will get there. In fact, in, to my mind, there, was, there should be an FCA token or something that goes, that, that it, they, they, should crypto, they should tokenize themselves and you can have protocols that you would attach to another coin that says, does this person understand what they're doing? That kind of, and they have all the boxes ticked and verified on a smart, on a, on a, on a, on a smart contract on a blockchain. There, I mean, there are millions of ways of tackling this and having it, well, having the piecemeal approach that they have now is, is just too slow and people will get burnt. I think Jason also echoed, made the point that having, having um, um, people go away from a trusted advisor to a, third party that they may not know so well, um, who may be in a dodgy jurisdiction somewhere, who may have um, access to certain viruses or whatever to take your money. And and there are those dodgy use cases. And it's much better to have your own trusted advisor to help you through these, navigate through these waters. So it's maybe it's an education thing for the for the um, for the current advisors. But I think it's uh, also a threat to them. Indeed. Well, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. But in the words of The Economist, Richard Thaler, if you want people to do something, make it easy. So maybe that's a rule for the uh, regulators and for product providers and even the advice industry when it comes to giving investors access to crypto through ETFs or smart beta or similar products. But right now, it remains for me to say thank you very much to Rufus and to Jason. Thank you very much, chaps, for joining us. Thank you, Sveni. Thank you very much. Thank you all for listening. For more news and views, visit ftadvisor.com. Thank you. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.